0: Good morning! Today is Wednesday, September 28th, and you're listening to Thy Strong Word. This is the program where each weekday morning we explore the Holy Scriptures through which God bespeaks us righteous and nourishes our faith. I'm your host, Pastor Phil Boo of St. John Lutheran Church in Laverne, Minnesota. What a great day to gather around God's Word! So thank you for listening, whether it's over the air online, through KFUO's app, maybe you download it as a podcast. I don't care how you tune in, I'm just glad you're here. So settle in, open your hearts and your minds. We're about to begin. Thy Strong Word is graciously underwritten by the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. If you don't know about them, LHF translates, publishes, and distributes books that are Bible-based, Christ-centered, and Reformation-driven. When you get time, Visit lhfmissions.org to learn more. And if you have any questions or comments about today's show, well, while you're online checking out LHF Missions, why don't you email me? Email me at pastorboo@gmail.com. gmail.com. Just say hello, or maybe you have a question. Well, I will get right to the point today because we have a very interesting topic. This is going to be from 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Now, Corinth was a hotbed of pagan worship and Part of that worship involved eating food sacrificed to idols, among other things. How should the Christians navigate such sticky situations as they strive to live in the world but not of it? To help us navigate and apply this text, I'm pleased to welcome to the show the Reverend Brian Davies. He's pastor of Lord of Glory Lutheran Church in Grays Lake, Illinois. He's also the chaplain for the fire department there, and he's the author of the book Connected to Christ overcoming isolation through community available through cph pastor davies welcome to thy strong word
1: thank you very much pastor and uh to all of our listeners today blessed day to you as you said in your introduction it is always a good day to study god's word and to be strengthened and enriched by it thanks be to god
0: Yes, absolutely. You know, brother, before we begin, would you maybe share a little bit about your ministry, how things are going in Grays Lake, where Grays Lake is, and also, uh, you know, how, how things are going with your book? It's been out for a couple of years. So, yeah, let us know what's going on.
1: Thank you for asking. Um, I am in Grays Lake, Illinois. Grays Lake is about 45 minutes north of the city of Chicago. It is a suburb of Chicago. We're about 10 or 15 miles south of the Wisconsin state line, so we're almost in Packer and Brewer country up here. Um, I serve a really healthy church with a really great outreach to our community, including a preschool and a food pantry and a comfort dog, a lot of great things happening in Jesus' name through our people and through God's word. I'm thankful for that. I'm married. i got three kids in school including a high schooler for the first time. She started high school a few weeks ago and doing really good. And then, yeah, I do serve our local community through our fire department. That's a unique challenge in that role. I care both for the fire department members themselves, because that's a very challenging vocation. They see a lot. They're firefighter paramedics, each one of them. So they see a lot. So I care for them, but also kind of serve alongside them Um when people are in crisis or experience a sudden loss, uh, I'll get called to the scene to kind of help uh, provide care for the for the people that are involved who are not injured, but are maybe mourning or very concerned or about a loved one. Yeah, and then the book came out um, in January, 2020. Uh, it's been really fun to uh, be a part of that process. It's been really fun to uh, interact with people who have read the book. It's a quick, easy read. Really, you can read it in just a few sittings. It's also a really good small group resource. And it really dives into the notion of we're in a very divided tribal culture where you're either on this side or the other. And really, I'd make the argument that God's church is meant to be different, that in God's church, we can find a real powerful sense of unity and community and family that's very unique.
0: Well, that's that's absolutely wonderful and such a necessary thing for us to consider today. Our connection to each other and community. I imagine that when it came out, it was even more important. Not that it isn't now, but it was just the beginning of people starting to be divided on a lot of different lines. Political, the the pandemic came and there was a lot of divisions there. Um, I assume you didn't write it in a couple months. So, you know, some of that probably wasn't what you were foreseeing, but it was just God's timing, I assume, that it came <laughs> out and was so nascent.
1: It really was. And I really applaud CPH. What a treasure that we have in our church body to have a publishing house that's really forward looking. Um, they identified the issue, you know, of course, years before COVID. They saw it in culture and recognized that, you know, God's word can uniquely speak to it. I had been um, working on another project with them, and they kind of invited me to shift gears into this project. And then, of course, as you alluded to, COVID only magnified these divisions. Um, And so it was a timely topic pre-COVID. It's definitely a timely topic post-COVID.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Folks, go to cph.org and look for that book. There are several in that series, yep. but that one in particular, Connected to Christ, Overcoming Isolation Through Community. Folks, yep. it's 10 bucks. Go get it. And uh, I know that I've already put it in my cart. I'm going to check it out, too. Thank so, you. So, brother, our text for today is going to be 1 Corinthians chapter 10, the second half. But before we dig in, would you please start us off with some prayer?
1: Let us pray. Almighty God, thank you for this moment, and what a treasure it is, first of all, to be called children of God. How great your love, Almighty God, that you have lavished on us that we can be called children of God. And thank you, Almighty God, that you have left us this gift, this treasure of your word. It is inspired, it is without error, and it nourishes and feeds our souls. So I pray, Lord, that you would do that in us. Thank you for the ministry of KFUO and moments like this that get your word out there. I uh, pray, Lord, that our hearts and minds might be open to what you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen. So our text for today is indeed 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I'm going to read all of the verses. Just put them all out on the table, and we'll just start digging in.
1: Why not?
0: <laughs> yeah, right. So I'll be reading from the English Standard Version of the Bible. Quote, all things are lawful, end quote, but not all things are helpful. Quote, all things are lawful, quote, but not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good but the good of his neighbor. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any question on the ground of conscience. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Quote. But if one of the unbelievers invites you to dinner and you are disposed to go, eat whatever is set before you without raising any question on the ground of conscience. But if someone says to you, this has been offered and sacrificed, then do not eat it. For the sake of the one who informed you and for the sake of conscience, I do not mean your conscience, but his. For why should my liberty be determined by someone else's conscience? If I partake with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of that for which I give thanks? So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, that they may be saved. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Well, that's actually verse uh, one of chapter 11 at the very end. But I had to add it, it just feels like it fits there at the very beginning. This brother is not the first time, not even close to that, that Paul is bringing up this mantra of all things being lawful. He says in chapter six, verse 12, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but I will not be dominated by anything. And this, he brings up again here. So it sounds like personal liberty and rights and perhaps even a misuse of Christian freedom are a big issue here in Corinth. Mm.
1: They were a big issue in Corinth, and they're a big issue today, aren't they? And it's it's amazing to me how God's word speaks. It speaks uh, to that situation in Corinth and definitely to us. I think there's a lot for us to to unpack here. I'm thankful for it. Um, Christians that I'm interacting with, I'm sure that you are as well, and our listeners can identify with this as well. What does it look like and mean to be a Christian in 21st century America right now? It is a challenge. And I think there is some, you know, pun intended meat on the bone for us to chew on here.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: I think it's important to recognize uh, Corinth. Uh, you know, you've been studying this through thy strong word. Uh, so frequent guests and listeners or frequent listeners will will get this but you know corinth as a church was struggling to try to figure out what it meant to be a christian and to be a church in in a very pagan world and community something we're struggling with still today in fact earlier on i believe it's uh paul speaks to the church in corinth and says hey Uh, your meetings your church services are doing more harm than good (laughs) imagine if that were said about our church services may it never be in fact i i think that's chapter 11 that's coming up uh, yeah probably for you real soon but you know so bottom line to your point they were struggling uh and and we can really listen to what the lord leads them to here
0: yeah i like how you brought out and it is so true how Really, things have not changed, mm. or if they have changed, they ebb and flow, and there's nothing new under the sun. Yeah. So many of the things that Paul addresses with the Corinthians are, I mean, we might as well call Corinth, you know, uh, America, because yeah. we, we and, and not just that, let's be honest, it's the whole world. The whole so-called modern enlightened progressive world wants to uh, appeal to things that are very, very attractive to the sinful human nature, power prestige uh, sexual liberty liberty in all things and paul has been dealing with the issues uh in this church of those very things everything from sexual immorality to pridefulness to the inability to make judgments within the congregation to to judge other christians and settle disputes to wanting to uh shame one another based on as, as you kind of mentioned earlier what's coming up next is you know the way they did the lord's supper wasn't even helpful because mm. they were they were doing it to each other's shame so yeah. they were really giving in to the culture and this isn't like well they wanted their worship services to be attractive to seekers no this was we want to live like we lived before we came to christ because and now the because is a little bit of an unknown is it just because there was so much pressure from the outside world was it because they kept slipping back into their old habits or did they really think that because they were saved by Christ, they could then live any way they pleased and then it wouldn't matter? You know, all of those are are options for what's going on, but yeah. Paul is having none of it.
1: Yeah. Or, or, you know, a little bit of all of those, right? It could have been mm-hmm. um, what led them to this pattern. But um, I look at this text with a lens towards you know, what our people are dealing with now, what I'm dealing with now, even as a Christian living in this world, what does it mean to be a faithful confessional Christian in a increasingly secularized culture? You know, and I think there's a move by some to kind of retreat, to kind of be monastic, to pull out of the world completely. You see the exact opposite extreme where the Christian or the church will look exactly like the culture Mm -hmm. and and the idea of some it's like blend in as much as possible and i think what paul offers here is a nice middle road which is we should be engaged in culture no doubt and our christian faith should impact how we live no doubt
0: yeah paul elsewhere says that you know we must avoid people who live in these ways that are not consistent with the Christian, with the Christian faith. So avoid those who are engaged in sexual immorality, avoid such people. But then he, he says though, he kind of gives a caveat that I actually don't mean the world. You know, you're going to expect the world to live that way. You can't avoid everybody in the world because you live in the world. Mm. Uh, It's just important that people within the church don't, live out their lives in worldly ways. Yeah. And so I, I think that's what's really important when we think about it. We are to be witnesses to the world of what Christ and, uh, wants from us, and we can't do that if we're isolating ourselves completely. And Correct. we can't do that if we're just, you know, if when you come to worship, you can't get there any, anything better than or, or, or different than you can get anywhere else, mm. then why go? Right, that's
1: exactly right. Something unique is offered, God willing, in the divine service. And the uh, more that we're aware of that and celebrate it, the better off we're going to be. Yeah, absolutely.
0: So he says, you know, eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any question on the ground of conscience. And then he quotes, uh, cited pretty much from Psalm 24, I think, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. He's bringing to our remembrance that, you know, there is... Just as he says elsewhere, we know there's no such thing as these other gods. We know that everything belongs to the Lord. And so he begins here by giving them the solid advice of, don't worry about it. If you go out in the meat market, you know, just eat what's presented before you. Uh, what's going on in the meat market, though, that they might have some concerns?
1: Yeah, and I think um, if we could start by looking at that uh, line, and uh, in the old NIV was everything is permissible, in the ESV, what is it again?
0: Yet all things are lawful.
1: All things are lawful. So, you know, he he starts by that probably was some sort of a a, a poem that he's quoting or a phrase, a well-known mantra. And you know, he's citing it as true. Like, hey, this might be lawful, but it doesn't mean it's good for you. You know, I thought of the old quote, just because you could doesn't mean you should, right? Right. That you, this can be uh, allowed as a Christian, but doesn't mean it's going to be the right thing to do. Um, And I think, I think about that as we live out our Christian lives, right? I mean, there are things that we are allowed to do as Christians, but it doesn't mean that that's the best Move for us to make as Christians, right? Think about it in our health life. Are we allowed to go barrel through a box of donuts? I guess you're allowed to. Should you? We probably should think about that health wise, right? The Christian is allowed to lose hours and hours and hours of life streaming a television show. Is that beneficial to do regularly, I think the Christian ought to ask questions about that. And so it's kind of in that in that line of thinking that he's introducing this argument hey christian be thoughtful about what you do you you are allowed to go into the market um go into the market eat eat what's there um but be thoughtful in in, in the way the in, in the way in which you're doing it um and and he kind of calls back like you said to psalm 24 um everything belongs to the lord he created it it is for us you know there is an order to creation um we get to enjoy the the bounty of what the Lord has created for us, but with a watchful eye.
0: Right. In, in chapter eight, he discussed food offered to idols and he brings up all of these points about how we know that it has no real existence, etc. So there is coming up in this particular section, a return to that thought that, yeah, you can eat these things and, and don't worry about it. Um, as you apply today, I actually know of a direct application that I thought of many years ago um, and when it comes to eating to food sacrificed to idols, and that's with halal food. So if you go to a halal deli, uh, in order to be um, – to borrow a term from our Jewish friends, if you, in order for those things to be kosher, but they call it halal, uh, the, and these are Muslims, then it has to be sacrificed in a certain way to the false god which they use for the generic term in Arabic as Allah. And so this, these false gods, this is food sacrificed to false gods. And I guess some, the same thing exists within Jewish jellies too for things that are kosher. Or when you go to the grocery store and you, you, you see the things that have little K marked on it. So most Christians don't have any problem, especially American Christians, don't have any problem eating whatever they want to. Uh, all things are lawful. But at the same time, you know, should someone's conscience be burdened, Because they come to this awareness that, especially with halal food or kosher food, that these things are done in such a way that it's paying homage to a false god. And Paul says, no. Paul says, don't worry about that. You know, we go into the halal deli and get what you want. But there is a different context going on in Corinth than necessarily would be going on here. But let's think about the Muslim who converts to Christianity. And the Muslim who converts to Christianity now has a trouble uh, eating halal food. Well, this is a lot of what he was addressing in chapter eight about, you know, serving the weaker brother and serving our, our our fellow Christians who may still have hangups about these things, even though we know that it's lawful. In this case, it's about it's about the unbeliever who may say, oh, yeah, well, Uh, You know that that stuff's, you know, by participating in that, you're giving honor to my God. And then he kind of has a different opinion. Paul says, well, now it's all about your witness to this person, their conscience, not yours. So it all tends to boil down to not acknowledging or trying to recognize that there are false gods or recognize these gods as real, but but that. You know, we should, everything we do should be to a positive witness to our faith and for, well, he's a good Lutheran, right? for the benefit or the good of our neighbor. That's verse 24, let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Um, And you're right too. There are so many practices today that have nothing to do with eating food that, that teach us, wow, you know, we are free to engage in all types of activities that God has neither commanded against or for. And yet not everything is beneficial to our faith or even our health or life.
1: Mm. The comparison that you're making with the halal situation is an excellent comp. I didn't even think about that. And frankly, I am not. I was not even aware of some of those nuances about eating those foods. So, boy, that oh, is a very modern take on this text. That's interesting. I'd be curious um, – Have Christians, you know, cited who are, who live in those environments where, you know, for instance, where I live in Gray's Lake, there is not a halal deli by us. Okay. Um, So, but people who maybe live in urban environments where they're presented with this challenge, I'm guessing they've gone to this text because that's a really nice comp for what's before them. Have you heard of that?
0: Well, I first thought about it just on my own when I was visiting New York and there was a food that was halal. And uh-huh. I didn't know what halal meant, of course. I, I recognized that the workers there were clearly Muslims, and I Googled it, and uh, the, uh, the host and producers of Thy Strong Word is not responsible for what you Google because <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of violent in the way in which they sacrifice the animals. Probably no more no more violent, though, than the Old Testament sacrificial system. But regardless, uh, this is still going on today, and, and so there are these restrictions for foods to be halal. Some of them are very similar to the Jewish restrictions. Now, I'm living in Minnesota now, and while I haven't made it in a while, I'm sure if I went into Minneapolis, which has an increasingly uh, dense Muslim population, we're going to see more and more of that. And we're going to see that as as they spread and continue to grow in the United States. So, yeah, there is this idea that even today there are. Uh, literal food applications for what's being said here. Um, eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any question on the ground of conscience. And it reminds us that even the false gods, though they are literally nothing, right? See Paul in chapter eight, but they they these things serve our Lord, right? God's the only true God. All of these things are nothing. We have freedom to eat these things. But the problem in Corinth is that it's almost like people who, who like to cling to and claim their rights at every chance they get. Rights are yours. You have them, but it's not always appropriate to claim them or stand on them. Sometimes it's better to think of your neighbor. Well, mm. Paul might say, it's always better to think of your neighbor.
1: Right. And I guess um, I it was presented to me a long time ago. We ought to read the Bible with, you know, The Bible in one hand and a mirror in the other. Um, So if you're listening to this, you know, live or on a podcast, and maybe you're not near a halal food situation, and this specific food challenge isn't before you, I think the greater principle also applies just in how the Christian lives their life in relationship to others around them, that this whole, you know, everything is lawful, um, doesn't mean it's good for me, and it doesn't mean it's good for my Christian witness. So in a whole host of things not food-related, the Christian can draw strength from this text.
0: 100%. Um, actually, one of the things that always come to my mind, and I guess it's still technically food-related, but I think of alcohol. And I also think of the use of the rapidly becoming more legal and acceptable things like marijuana and other things. The, there are going to be Christians who have varying opinions on the permissibility of using such things. Every, everything from marijuana to maybe CBD, which is something somewhere in between, to things like alcohol. There's, there's all types of, of things that, that there is not clarity <laughs> yep. on, on how the Christian should approach them. And so we're going to be running into more and more with those kinds of things where we have to consider our brother. And then we could take it into all kinds of other realms too. Like, Oh my goodness. You know, you talk about community. Well, what's the biggest divider is sometimes things like politics, uh, you know, op- opinions on, on worldly things can divide us. And, and, you know, sometimes maybe it isn't the appropriate time. I, I have a phrase that I heard from a, a professor, uh, actually at Bethel university. And he says sometimes, uh, the relationship is more important than being right. Yes. And I have really stuck with that because, you know, I, I tend to be one of those guys who's like, Oh, wait a minute. There's a person who is saying something wrong and I desperately want to tell them the right thing. (laughs) And and I've learned that as I matured, I've learned that, yeah, that's not always appropriate or actually rarely is it appropriate.
1: Mm. Yeah. Really good comp too, about politics. Like is it lawful to spew your opinions? And yeah, of course it is. But is it beneficial to the other person? Is it beneficial to, the, to your Christian witness? Does it bring glory to God? Are These are the questions we want to ask about a whole host of things that are a part of our lives.
0: Yeah, 100%. So, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. But he, ch- he shifts gears, though, because we we're hearing him talk and we're thinking about chapter eight. But in verse 27, he says, if one of the unbelievers invites you to dinner and you're disposed to go, eat whatever set before you without raising any question on the ground of conscience. That's so far pretty much what he's been saying. But here in 28 is the is the caveat. But if someone says to you this has been offered in sacrifice, then don't eat it. Pastor, you know. How how do we reconcile this with Paul talking about freedom and brothers? And now it seems like an an unbeliever, an outsider. We're we're now concerned about them too.
1: Yeah. So um, I think you described it really well. There's this this general: hey, if you're in the market, have at it. Don't you know? Don't worry about it. This is from the Lord. It's great. Now twenty seven. There is a shift to you know we're moving from the from the market from the public sector into someone's home where what you eat is a testimony to who you are and what you believe, right? So he says, hey, if, if someone invites you into your home, eat, eat eat what's set before you without raising questions, like be hospitable, be relational, eat what sets before you. However, uh, if it's presented to you as, hey, this has been offered in sacrifice, um, this is where Paul says now we want to put the want to pump the brakes a little bit, all right? Because now it's like, as I looked at it, it's almost becoming like you're participating in some sort of a religious event with this person that could give a false sense of who you are and what you believe and what it means to be a Christian. So now we're transitioning from you just being in the market and enjoying good food to what you eat is actually giving testimony to who you are and what you believe and that's that's really at the crux of the of the of this shift here
0: Paul has made it clear in the previous chapter that he's he is free as all Christians are and yet verse 19 of chapter 9 he says for though I am free from all I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them so everything we do is about serving our neighbor but also being a witness to them and there is the deference to the christian who informs the person hey listen this food has been sacrificed to idols behind that information is that this person has some concerns about it so we're gonna we're gonna defer for the sake of the weaker brother but we're also going to not participate in something that gives the appearance that we are okay with it that we agree with it that this is completely fine you can't share the table of God with a table of demons. And that's this is it playing out. And we definitely have some parallels to today. And that's what we're going to talk about when we come back from our break. So we're going to pause for just a few moments and listen to these messages. Dear listener, don't go anywhere. In just a few moments, Pastor Davies and I will continue our discussion of 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We'll see you on the other side. On America's college campuses, doors are open to sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. The number of international students studying at American schools has more than quadrupled over the past decade. For many of these young men and women, it's their first time living in a free society where they can ask questions about Christianity. You can help answer their questions. Go to lhfmissions.org and partner with the Lutheran Heritage Foundation to translate good Lutheran books into languages these students can read and understand. lhfmissions.org. Welcome back to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Pastor Phil Boo. With me today is the Reverend Brian Davies. He's pastor of Lord of Glory in Grays Lake, Illinois. So, Pastor, before the break, we were talking about not participating in essentially what is an act of worship. That's what would have been going on in the Corinthian context, because we, even though we know these false gods are nothing, we don't want to give the impression that we are okay with it or that we— Uh, that we also confess the same God. We don't want to give a bad witness. Now, what are some ways today, though, right? Because if we're talking about 2022, there are plenty of things out there that are going on in the world that may not be particularly religious in nature, some are, that we still might not want to participate in, even though we may be free to, because of the witness it gives. Do you have any examples of that?
1: Oh, my goodness. Like... (laughs) Welcome to the struggle of our lives. I mean, uh, the Christian is called to be the light of the world, um, to salt the earth. Uh, And I don't know about you, but there are people in my life for whom I am not sure where they are with the Lord and things I do, things I say are giving either a testimony to my faith in Jesus Christ, or not giving testimony to my faith in Jesus Christ. This is a very gray area. This is an area where we need the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us. This is an area where we would do well to be in community with Christians to talk through these struggles and challenges. To say, hey, you know, here's how I'm interacting with my friends or with these family members. Um, Do you think I should be doing more or less of anything? You know, because iron sharpens iron, right? The Christian can support the other Christian uh, in this struggle. But uh, you gave the examples of, you know, drinking alcohol. That's one. Um, There's many, many others like it where the Christian interacting with what may be an unbeliever or someone who's not strong in faith, you know, we want to give witness and testimony to our faith. You know, we also want to be in relationship with them and make them feel as though we're a normal person and we're not stuffing our faith, you know, down their throats. This is a real tension in the life of the Christian. What do you think?
0: I think it is. Many of my parishioners will come to me and uh, typically this will come when they're invited to events that they have loved ones involved with, but they themselves aren't really comfortable, especially on how it's going to give witness to their own faith. Sometimes this is as simple as, you know, a a wedding or a baptism at a non-Lutheran church, you know, whether that non-Lutheran church is something uh, it, Heretical or merely just heterodox, right? Whether it's really off the rails or or maybe it's just they don't believe everything. you know, sometimes they have some concerns with that. Or you know, I've had people come and they went to a funeral and the presiding minister was a female pastor from a, a different church body. And they're like, I don't know how comfortable I am. I want to be there to honor my loved one, but then I don't want people to think that, you know, I believe that this is appropriate for her to live out this vocation. Then it gets extreme when it comes to things that the world approves of, things for which are being normalized and legalized, uh, like homosexual marriages. You know, should we participate in those? What if it's my aunt or what if it's my niece or what if it's my you know uh, my brother? You know, how do we participate in the things of the world while also not giving credence or gravitas to them? witnessing to our own faith, but also just, you know, living out in the world and loving people. And so, as you said, and I think it's really important, being in community is the key because sometimes you're not going to be able to crack open the concordance in your Bible and look for, you know, how do I react at the baptism in a Mormon church? You're not going to be able to find that. But what you can find in Christian community is people who put themselves under the authority of the scripture, people who've been coming to worship, feasting upon God's body, who which strengthens their faith, studying the scriptures, have their own experiences to bring to the table. And like Paul, when there was no clear judgment from God, he makes his own sanctified judgment and delivers that to the people based on his what I call sanctified common sense. So here we have. This same situation when you're in community, you can go to the other and say, what do you think about this? Does it mean we'll always make the right decisions or always be a perfect witness? Well, no, of course not. But it's so much easier than being on your own or trying to involve, uh, you know, trying to navigate these real issues of life and also be God pleasing. So, yeah, I think it's I think it's very tough and it's there is no easy, easy response.
1: Yeah, and I think how many times in our lives have we cried out to God and said, God, please just tell me what to do, right? (laughs) Like, give me the answer. It's almost like, give me the code on the master lock. Like, what am I supposed to say? What am I supposed to do? And God, you know, doesn't audibly speak to us like we want him to. Instead, he wants us to seek out the answer in community, in prayer, in conversation with our pastors or with our friends, you know, like what a treasure the Lord has given us of one another. And I will just say, you know, Christian, if you are in this, in in a pickle and you described, you described some of them as examples, right? Like got invited to this baptism or, or this wedding, or, you know, I'm in this relationship and I don't know what to do understand that you are the one who's like in the forest right and you kind of can't even see around and then people around us help us see things that we don't see because it's so we're so emotionally tied into the situation. An illustration I think of is um, you know a really tall rock climbing wall. Um, you know you'll be on the wall and you kind of can't see you know, the next good place for your feet or your hands. But somebody who's on the ground and can see the whole wall can say, hey, just above your left hand, there's a green handle for you to grab onto, you know, reach above, you know, then all of a sudden you're able to take that step because someone who's outside of the situation, off the wall can help you. So I would say to the Christian, don't do this alone. Make an appointment to talk to your pastor uh, have coffee with Christian friends, be in a small group, be in a relationship, because that's really gonna help you navigate these situations.
0: That's right, because it is more than just, you know, Bale burgers, right? It is more than just, you know, food offered in sacrifice or food sacrificed to demons and idols. There are there it's not that it's not even that easy, I would say, as as Paul makes it. It's so gray. Now, there are so many in your people in your life, and if you have children or grandchildren, they're going to be going to school typically, and they're going to be going perhaps to college and other things. And they're going to be encountering people for whom they have no concern about following the wills of God, and they want to recruit your children and grandchildren to their side as much as we might desire they come to the true knowledge of faith. So they're going to be challenged with this idea of What do I do? How do I not be this lame, uptight <laughs> Christian while at the same time being honest about my faith and not and not burdening my own conscience? So Paul's speaking to that, too. And that idea of community is important because what he's saying here is that we have to consider the other and you're Children and grandchildren, even if they're you know good Lutherans, they come to Sunday school, they go to confirmation, it's still very likely that they're going off to college with an eighth grade understanding of their faith, because that's the last time some of these serious issues were talked about in maybe catechesis or confirmation classes. So my extra advice on top of what uh, our pastor guest definitely said is talk with them, run through these ideas, don't pretend like your kids, your neighbors, uh, even your grandparents or your parents, aren't hearing about all the different ways that the world is tempting us to abandon our faith. Be open about it. Talk about them. Yeah, and 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 work out together under the authority of the Holy Scripture. What, what's the best? What's the best path, path to take?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, talking through things in advance. Oh my goodness, so helpful because it's like preparing the mind to think through how you're going to handle different situations. You're exactly right about that.
0: So before we move into the last few verses here, you know, 31 and following, what else do you want to bring out about this text?
1: Yeah, I guess just bottom line, it's like, think of the other, right? The other person, the relationship is the most important thing. And that's really Paul's heart uh, is um, think about what, Think less about how is this going to impact my relationship with God and think more about how is this going to impact this person's faith or their understanding of God. Be aware of, of the impact of your actions and you know give witness to others. And I think it's a really good thing for the Christian to be mindful of.
0: The key verse of this entire section is thirty one. He says, "Whether you eat or drink, so whatever you decide. Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. In Colossians 3.17, he says something very similar. He says, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And Peter also mimics this same thing. It makes sense. It's all inspired by the Holy Spirit. He writes, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. And here's the key in order that in everything God may be glorified through Christ Jesus. That is the goal of the Christian and our lives to serve our neighbor and to glorify God. And it really is as simple as that. Mm-hmm. Now how we put that into practice obviously is where the rub comes. <laughs> and this is when he says in verse 32, don't give any offense to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God. And that's really tough. It's extremely tough in today's world. If you replace Jews and Greeks with just these other unbelievers out in the world, it seems like the perpetually offended is the default position of so many today. We can't help, but give offense. And then if you look elsewhere in the scriptures, even elsewhere in Paul, the cross itself is a big offense and everybody thinks it's a big folly and a stumbling block. So Paul's really, I don't know. I I feel like he's giving us an impossible task.
1: It is. Um, it brings to mind, uh, the moment where Jesus is with his disciples and uh the bible actually says you know after at that moment many many turned away and no longer followed him and then Jesus turns to his disciples and asks the question and of course he knows the answer because he's god you know you don't want to leave too do you and then the response is lord to whom shall we go you have the words of eternal life and so you know, I will just speak as a Christian, not even as a pastor in this moment, as a Christian, this is a difficult text for me. Um, mm-hmm. I, I look at this text and I, and I look at, you know, it, as this text is a law, you know, text for me. This speaks the law to me. It makes me think of ways in which I have not honored God. I probably haven't made the right decisions. I haven't give, given clear and good witness to my faith. Um, Or I've done the other wrong thing, which is I've been too outspoken or too, uh, you know, not compassionate or gracious in my words or deeds. Um, This text is definitely a law text for me, which then breaks me and brings me back to Jesus. And I say then as a Christian, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. I need your help with this. So you're right. This is a high bar. Um, Yeah. You know, it is it is very true think, that everything I have done has not been for the glory of God.
0: Right. I, and that's true of all of us. That's true of all of us. And there's also a distinction to be made between doing something intentionally to give offense and just the offense that naturally comes from the proclamation of the gospel. So when he says give no offense to Jews or to Greeks, he could essentially say or add there, you know, uh, willfully or on purpose, you know, don't go around flouting your Christian freedom just to own the Jews or own the Greeks, as they might say today. But, but rather, you know, we co- we're concerned about them. We want them to come to the knowledge of the truth and also give no offense to the church of God. He adds that too, and he uses himself as an example. Was Paul perfect? No, I couldn't even imagine that Paul, um, in the way that he speaks and asserts his authority and the way he slips into boasting, did not uh, all the time slip into offending people. So, but he says, as I try to please everyone and everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but again, serving the neighbor, but that they may be saved. And that's the key. You know, are we as Christians wanting to go out there and win the argument? Are we looking forward to the end of time so that when Christ returns, we can look at our unbelieving neighbor who made fun of our faith and go, "Ha, see, we were right." No, that is not what we should be doing. If anything, we should eagerly, eagerly pray and hope and continue to witness to that neighbor so that he'll join us in that great day at the end. And I, it was going—it's a meme, okay—but it's going around Facebook. But it really was great, and it said that. You know, it was a quote. I shouldn't say it's a meme. It was a quote from someone, and I unfortunately don't remember the quote, but it said that St. Paul entered heaven to the praise of those he martyred or that he persecuted. And as a depiction of what the Christian life is supposed to be about, not trying to get our own way or our own advantage, not asserting our rights over the others. But, you know, as Paul said, becoming all things to all people so that he might save some.
1: Hmm what an interesting quote that's really inspires me to think. And I think the way what you said was, is excellent. I would echo it. Um, And I think this is a very, this is a very missional text, isn't it? Like it has us thinking about our, our, not only our own relationship with God, but the relationship uh, that others around us have with their Lord and maker.
0: Yes, absolutely. I completely agree. So what else about this text can we bring to the people you know it, it is just a few verses but it it is is chock full of things to think about as we as we interact with people in the world as we interact with other christians as we consider our freedom in the gospel but then there are limits on that freedom not limits because well you know god has set limits but limits because he has set our hearts to care for others and be concerned with what you know what their future holds yeah. And uh, yeah, so what, what else do you think?
1: Well, I guess I would just invite our, re, our our listeners to be thinking and actually to be concrete in their thinking and not abstract in their thinking. Like, think in your head of people in your life for whom you don't know where they're at with the Lord. For whom, like, as, as, as far as you can see, it does not seem like they're they're living as a disciple of Jesus Christ. You know, you may be one of the strongest Christians in their life, right? Like you may be the closest Christian to them. So then I think it's incumbent upon the Christian to be aware of that, to be thinking about that, to be praying about that, to be in community with Christians, to be asking them to pray about it. Um, and to say, Hey Lord, I, and you know, back to this text, Lord, help me not to cause them to stumble. Um, I, I want to please them, but I, you know, I'm thinking about, I want them to be saved. I want to spend eternity with this person. And of course, um, someone entering eternal life with Jesus is solely by faith and, you know, faith comes by hearing the word of God and it's not going to be our doing, But I think we want to recognize, hey, we are, you know, I could be a vessel of saving grace to this person. Lord, would you bless me? And I think it means that when we're going to be hanging with these people or eating with these people, you should be praying and inviting Christians to pray for you. Hey, I'm going to be hanging out with, you know, my unbelieving friends. Thursday, could you pray that God gives me the right words? And maybe even do a debrief after. How did it go? Do you feel like you brought glory to God? You know, How could it have been better? What could you have said? What could you say that would be helpful next time?
0: Amen to that. Another unsubstantiated quote is, be careful how you live because you will be the only Bible some people will ever read. And again, I don't have the source on that either. I apologize. Maybe you could write in, folks, and let me know who (laughs) who are the uh, authors of those quotes. But, you know, they, they, they sum up exactly what Paul's saying here. You know the way we live our lives is a witness to what we believe. Now, you cannot bring people to faith or God does not use your behavior to bring people to faith. He chooses to use the gospel. So you have to get out there and tell people about Jesus. That's how God d- brings people into the kingdom. But also the way you live, how you treat others has an influence on on what people think of the church and 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 sometimes that behavior means openly repenting as our pastor guest did, you know, he says, listen, this is a, this is a, this is a convicting statement to me of which I need to repent. And of course, I think we all do, but being able to be out in the world and say, listen, we are not perfect. The church is not a collection of perfect people. The church is where Christ comes and for his sake, uh, uh, delivers to us his body and blood that saves us from our sins. And that's just, what's so amazing about what God does for us. This is how when Paul says, be imitators of me, he really means be imitators of Christ. He says, as I am of Christ.
1: Yeah. And so um, this this is, uh, you know, could be viewed as a very law heavy text, which then I think let's look at where is Jesus in this text. I think, um, thankfully, Jesus was completely righteous for us jesus did everything perfectly for us even though we fall short every cross all for the glory of god what we haven't been able to do jesus did and because he did that um he who had no sin became sin so that you and i might know the righteousness of god and so that those who are listening might know the righteousness of god he did it thanks be to god
0: Our section of chapter 10 began this morning with St. Paul's return to a common refrain from those Corinthian Christians, Christians who sought freedom and personal liberty above all things. He wrote, all things are lawful, as they had been saying, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Isn't that indeed what Jesus did for us? The God and creator of the universe descended from his throne. He took on flesh and blood. He he lived the perfect life we could never live, and he died a death that we all deserve so that he might spare us the same fate. He didn't stay dead, but he rose again so that those who believe in him by the power of the Holy Spirit will be raised to life too. True freedom is knowing that you're saved in Christ. You've been freed to serve your neighbor in this life, and so even in the spirit of Christian freedom, whether it deals with food or drink or other things you do, don't forget your neighbor. Don't forget the witness you make to the faith that God has given you. The apostle writes, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. It's pretty much the same thing as what he began with. Let no one seek his own good, but be the, but the good of his neighbor. I'd like to thank my guest this morning, the Reverend Brian Davies, pastor of Lord of Glory Lutheran Church in Grays Lake, Illinois. He's also the chaplain of the fire department there and author of Connected to Christ: Overcoming Isolation Through Community, available through Concordia Publishing House. And Thank you too for listening to Thy Strong Word. I've been your host, Pastor Philbu. Tune in Monday as we continue in 1 Corinthians with chapter 11. Until then, may God's peace and blessings be with you all as we pray. Father, keep us in thy strong word.